Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, saying, Go at once to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah set out to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid his fare and went on board to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. Too many times in my life I've known where I'm supposed to go. I just don't want to go there. Like Jonah, God's call at those moments is clear. And like Jonah, my response is a resounding, hell no, I ain't doing that. I run the other way. I stay silent. I sit on my butt and I wait for others to do the work. I tremble in my fears and succumb to the rationalizations and lies I tell myself about how everything will be all right, especially when racism, white supremacy, and all their associated violence are concerned. What is keeping me in the belly of a whale when I should be marching to Nineveh? What is keeping us, the church, silent when we should be speaking God's truth? The Lord has told the church, especially us white members of the church, to speak God's truth in love to those in the grip of the systemic sin of white supremacy. But like Jonah, we don't want to go there. We struggle with upsetting white comfort. We struggle submitting to black power over and over again. We center whiteness in our church, our communities, our stories. We ignore or rewrite our history and we succumb to our fears. The Lord has told us where to go and what to say. It's time for us to step out onto the road to Nineveh. This season on Racial Heresy, we confront the barriers, excuses, and reasons, both mine and the church's, unpacking what is keeping us out of Nineveh and how we all might transform our inner Jonah into a racial heretic. And we give thanks to God for the work that he allows us to do, the space that he allows us to share. Uh, may the Spirit be with us as we enter into this time for the sake of ourselves, for the sake of those who listen, for the sake of the church, for the life of the world. Amen. Mm. And so in the, in the home stretch of this little experiment, huh? That's right. How, how, how's it feeling so so far? Mm. Uh, lots of things. It, it's definitely feeling lots of things. Um, encouraging and hopeful and humbling and amazing and uh, deepening um, and scary and uh, vulnerable and uh, hypocritical and convicting um yeah i mean it's it's all sorts of stuff i'm i'm glad for it amen thanks be to god likewise yeah so i value it's good. the time you know i value the um the the uniqueness and i'm trying to value the the gift of our relationship i mean just the the vast number of people who don't get to have these conversations um you know, who don't have this kind of partnership um, and don't have a space to explore. Well, you know, that's a matter of how we trust, you know, and that's the hope of even doing this kind of work, right? Like, we got to get in space where we trust each other enough to, to be vulnerable with each other, you know? Um, and that's the hope of why we decide to do this stuff, you know, for public consumption. Like, it ain't easy, but... So long as if we're not being authentic with each other, how are we ever really loving each other? How are we ever really being?
being in relationship with each other, um, how are we ever building, becoming beloved community, you know, all of those cliches that we like to throw around. Um, and the opportunity to attempt at modeling, not even attempt at modeling, right? Because, you know, Yoda said, the great theologian Yoda <laughs> said, there is no try, only do. We're and, modeling something um, right now, whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, uh, you know, living publicly, how, how do we wrestle with deep issues, deep questions, um, hard questions, offensive questions, off-putting questions, whatever, and remain in communion, um, you know, by the grace of God. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I give thanks for the space and the time as well. It, it, it's hope for the church that we indeed can all be one, as the Father, the Son, and the Spirit are one. Um, and that remains the call. And so I look forward to whatever it is that we um diving in today. I, you know, I, I read the notes, but, at, for, for you know, since we since we didn't do it a couple of days ago, I'm kind of like, which one is it again? So, <laughs> so I, well, see, I want to start. I want to start today with um, with the history question, right? Like how okay. how to approach um, how to approach our history, my history, um, mm. and and hopefully how to approach. Uh, I mean, history for the church, history for the parishes. Um, maybe we'll have something here for, for history of the nation. And, and I don't know where you want to dive in, whether you want to start with my parish, you want to, we want to start with, with personally, I mean, how that goes. Yeah, I would say, I, I mean, my first question, my first question would be like, why history? Why you want to look at history? Mm. <laughs> um, well, I, I think, I think I ignored history for a really long time, right? Like I, mm -hmm. I just took the history that I had been taught. I took the history and so it was, a, it was a big smack in the face to me the first time, like, in seminary, mind you, right? I mean, this is 30-some this um, years into my life, right? The first time that I realized that, that there was history that I didn't know, that I wasn't being taught, that, that arguably had, had, maybe not even arguably, had purposefully been omitted, decisively been omitted from... Um, from my formation, both in the church and, and just in general. And then I found out in, in my parish, I found out and in my own life, I found out my own family. Um, so I, I think, it, I think it's natural when I find out to be like, well, why in the world did y'all leave this out? Like what, what's going on that this had to be omitted. Um, so what would you, what, what would you surmise is going on as to why, certain truths um, or, and, and, and or certain aspects of history um, have been omitted, what would you say? Well, I mean, now, years later, right now, I, I am totally on board with, with an understanding of systemic white supremacy that has, that has purposefully and, and, and repeatedly fought every attempt to recognize the humanity beyond whiteness and, and the importance that goes beyond whiteness, um, of, of anybody who's outside that, that circle of whiteness. Um, you know, that, that makes sense to my head. Um, I'm still kind of digging at the, 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 
I don't want to. I don't want to separate theological and emotional and all that, but just the 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 extra stuff that that's still there, right? Like my family, for instance. Um, you know, we did all this genealogy work, right? We we talked about. I had binders, uh, you know, back when you used to print stuff like this out. Um, you know, all sorts of maps and charts and and graphs and everything about all where we came from, and nobody ever said, wow, so we had folks who lived in the Shenandoah Valley of Virginia in the 1820s. Hmm. I wonder what that was like. I wonder, I wonder if they, you know, if there were people who were enslaved who were working that land. Right. We never asked that question. Um, right. Out of ignorance, um, out of willful ignorance, out of fear, out of shame, out of white supremacist socialization. I mean, all of that stuff. Um, and, and even after I asked my family, I still don't feel like we've had any sort of, we, we haven't had the kind of conversation. I haven't had that either. Right. I haven't, I haven't pushed. I haven't, you know, kind of dug in. Um, you know, I, I think, I think as a church, we don't really, well, let me back this up. See, I was about to fall into that trap, right? As a church, we just really don't know how to have these conversations. Well, Bull, right? I mean, <laughs> that's what we like to tell ourselves. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that that's those, those kinds of questions are, are driving it for me to try and connect the the what I now understand historically, intellectually, theologically, you know, up here to like the all manner of of emotion and sin and, and doubt and shame and questions and um and ultimately, I think driving driving me towards an understanding that this is separating us from God, and if this right. is separating us from God, we gotta we gotta deal with it. Um, it's certainly still contributing to the trauma and the violence against um, against people all over. Um, and so, right. yeah, we need to we need to do it. Right. So, I mean, that's I mean that's a profound take, right? Like profound in the sense that somebody actually took the take like <laughs> but um but profound nonetheless right the question then becomes like what what conditions one a white person to make that search and then what like the big so what right so, okay, folks been talking about history for, people of color have been talking about history for forever, right? Been showing history, showing history, showing history, right? Um, and white folks been like, eh, whatever. Or they'll even know it, but it, but not really know it. Like, Howard Thurman would talk about uh, one of his, his memoir, which shelf I got it on, I think it's over here, yeah. His memoir, With Head and Heart, that's the title of it, With Head and Heart. Um, Long story short, you know, people talk about Howard Thurman being a mystic, Christian mystic, that Dr. King carried a copy of um, Jesus and the Disinherited with him every day. Um, Howard Thurman, head and heart, and the, that in Christianity, in, in Western Christianity, the challenge is how do we unite head and heart in our faith? Uh, there's a dividing line in Western Christianity. You have those faith perspectives or Christian perspectives that are heavy heart and no head. 
And then you have those like the Episcopalians who are heavy head and no heart. Oh, no, no. No heart. I know. Nobody wants to hear that. Nobody wants it. But don't get me wrong. Care is care, right? I'm not saying people don't care. But right. that wrestling that you were just talking about, how do I unite what I just learned in with these emotions in such a way that I don't have to think about doing good, that it unites to my heart in such a way that good is just the response. Yeah. I don't need to think about, oh, you know what? I wonder how my black brothers and sisters in the church are feeling about this. No, because if I see it and I hear the information, my heart is so attuned that I, I know what a human being would be feeling. Mm. Yeah, that's... Mm. That gets at some of one of, one of my questions related to this, because for me, you know, a lot of the integration, um, a lot of the, the ability or the gift or the grace to, to encounter both head and heart and to, and to work on bringing those together. I mean, that came through my relationship with you, right? That came through our relationship that the, the level of personalization and the level of, of humanity that we were able to experience together, that, that really made it a lot easier for me, right? Because... I had that very human example, you, I mean, right in front of me, our relationship, we, you know, we connected as seminarians, we connected um, as men, we connected as fathers, um, you know, we had, we had all these things that, that we were able to, to kind of resonate with. Um, eventually, we were able to connect over music, you kind of helped me with that a little bit, you know, uh, all of that, I mean, we, we had some of that, the sarcasm, I mean, you know, sense of, like, we had that, and and I sit here kind of like, that's not going to scale. I mean, we just we can't, you know, start assigning people friends across the color line, you know. I mean, yes and no, you know what I mean. Like, you know, look, there's a lot of black people don't want to be in that space, and I don't blame them. Yeah. You know? I often don't want to be in that space, but the Lord won't let me stay out of that space. I always seem to end up in the space where I got to help white folks understand white supremacy. Like, but, you know, I get it. But at some level, yeah, you do need that kind of relationship, which also means it takes blacks who want to be authentic in having that relationship. You know, I got black clergy who like they don't want to talk about stuff because they just they just resolve to leave white folks alone. They gonna let white folks have the church. And I'm going to just stay in my church and do my thing and leave these white folks alone. And I'm going to smile at them when they in public and whatever. Um. Meanwhile, I used to tell the diocese when I was active in the diocese here, engaging with the diocese, I used to tell them the easy thing to do would be to keep my head down and just do my black church. Oh, yeah. But because I love you, yeah, and it just so happened that I'm at the church of St. John the Baptist. So I'm like, it just so happens that, you know, I'm going to put my head on the platter because I see something that's wrong, that's harmful. And I know y'all going to cut my head off, but okay, here. Yeah, I... There, there's a piece here too. I mean, and that, the, amen and hallelujah and thank you. I mean, that grace, you know, for for all sorts of people who work across boundaries like that, right? I mean, for for people who work on the edge of this shattered mirror that reflects, you know, the 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 image of God amongst us all, and those those bleeding edges, right? Um, I, 
those those gifts and your gifts like that and and all those folks out there that's invaluable um i i wonder too about having the the ground be be ready right how do how do we get how do i get ready so that i was able to receive that and this is where for me it gets tricky too in the sense of cuz it sounds like well i got to do something for me first right i got to i got to the the benefit here is for is for white people first and that's what will get us motivated and i don't know exactly how around that but i want to engage on this idea that like we got to we got to be open to ourselves we got to know who we are we got to know where we are in god because if we can access that kind of humanity in ourselves forgiveness and but grace you know, and and love right then then we can access it for and with and through other people yeah but that does take a degree of self interest it does you know what i mean it's like and we got to get over that right like it's so twisted about this whole self-interest, right? I remember when, um, you know, Episcopal Divinity School, before it had its issues, um, you know, wanted, people wanted me to apply to Episcopal Divinity School. And they got this question about anti-racism they, they used to have in their application process about, you know, what do you believe about anti-racism? I tell them, I was like, because I know, I, my, my godfather had already told me, you're going to go there over, your, over my dead body. You know, he's dead now, so I guess I could have go now. But, <laughs> but um, yeah, I already knew EDS wasn't going to work. Um, and so I answered the question, and I'm like, you know, it's interesting. White folks spent 400 years on a race-first paradigm. And after they get a 400-year head start, they tell people of color to be anti-racist. Yeah. yeah. So I can't be pro-black because that's racist. I can't be thinking about black people, you know, as a Hispanic person, as an indigenous person. I can't be thinking about, you know, whatever, because that would be racist. But if that's the case, how am I ever going to get to equality? Right. Does that mean that equality is then doled out by whiteness? So whiteness gets to decide when and where I can come closer to equality. And that's where the issue of history comes into play, right? Like, so how do you even start to access this? Read history. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's all there. I mean, here it is. We're supposed to feel um, all... We're supposed to believe everything that we see about Venezuela, right? There's stuff going on in Venezuela. True. Crazy. There's history there. True. You know what's also history that's interesting? Elliot Adams. Being appointed over over overseeing the Venezuela effort from the Trump administration. Mm. When he was involved in the Iran Contra scandal. Like, so how do if we know history, how do we just just say, just go? We we're we're all for whatever our government is saying, let's do this, let's do that. How do we not say, wait a minute? Yes, there's something going on in Venezuela, but history has told us, especially with this person, right. that we probably should look a little closer at what's going on. But we still, and so in the absence of knowing history, understanding history, rereading history, we find ourselves in the same spaces where we, where we were before, doing the same things that we were before. And again, you know, people of color, 
on one degree or another, they have to know history because generations before them, it's dying down now, but generations before them would beat it into them. You better learn some history about our people. We struggle too hard or too long for you to not know your history. It's dying down now, but there's still a little bit of that. Yeah. But white folks don't have to know history because the world has already been shaped for you. So yeah, there's a lot that you don't know. But will you, will white congregations allow themselves to learn? Right. And, and not just and not just learn. Right. Like I, I want I want for us out there and especially leaders lay and ordain who who maybe are engaging with us here. Um, and because I because I, I want for my own life. Right. Like I don't I don't want to learn. I want to just learn. I mean, this is and and we toss out, you know, relearn, inwardly digest. Right. We. I, I want to I want some different I want a whole collection of lenses to use in in digging up this work because I was looking over my notes to you too when we were kind of setting us up and talking about this question as I was reflecting right like like how do I do I look at history this way or do I look at history that way do we do I understand history this way or or like like it was all individual or separate like there was one way to look at this history that was that was going to suddenly be helpful and and that's all I needed right and I'm I'm as I hear you connect both sort of our, our modern history and, and our, and, you know, 400 years ago and 200 years ago, and, and sometimes a thousand years ago, um, you know, I want, I want history as scary as that is to me, right? I want history to convict and I want history to redeem and I want history to renew and I want history to, um, enlighten and, and teach and form and shape and, and, I guess I, I also want history almost as parable, right? Like history that, that defies easy interpretation and pat answers. Right. I almost yeah, want that you know, more than anything right now. What's been telling for me recently, man, it's been recurring and it's recurring for me again as you say this, right? This question that I have for all Christians, Western Christians primarily, white Christians in particular, for a Christian community, what is the worst that can happen if you repent. Like for people who believe in Christ and the gospel, what's the worst that can happen if you repent of something that you say you didn't do? Because when we're talking about history, right, that's the aversion to history, especially tough history like this. Nobody wants to know what happened because nobody wants to feel guilty for, ha for what happened. Nobody wants to be responsible for what happened. They don't want to take any ownership of what happened. Don't want to have to reconcile with what happened. And so let's just avoid what happened. Stop talking about history. Don't tell me that I was bad. Don't tell me that my society was bad. Don't tell me that my ideals was bad. Don't tell me that my religion was bad. Just let me think that everything was good. Underneath all of that is an aversion to repentance. Mm -hmm. What you're saying is you don't believe repentance works. Because so what if you find out you're bad? What's the worst that's going to happen? You repent and you walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us an offering and sacrifice to God. Ain't that what we say? Yeah, well, yeah, sure. But I mean, it, it... so why are we so afraid of history? Why are we so afraid to find out the, the harsh realities of what was done in your name, white people, or our name as global humanity, or whatever level you want to go. Comfort, comfort and identity. Comfort and identity, right? 
I do not want to have to change. I don't want to have to give up. I don't want to have to yes, risk. Yes, but I thought, don't you all always beat over our heads about race, that there is neither Greek nor Jew nor slave nor free, but all are one in Jesus Christ. Your identity is in Jesus Christ. And no, if it's your not. identity is in Jesus Christ. No, it's not. If my identity, if, if my identity and our identity was in Jesus Christ, then well, this would be a whole different conversation, right? That that to me is... But that's the point, right? Yes, that's what's driving this, right? Like, But isn't that what our identity is supposed to be? Supposed to be. We got to wake up and that's and that's where the danger is and that's where the grace is and that's where the gift is. That, and, and maybe anybody who's been listening is, is getting tired of hearing me say this, right? Like coming back to identity, our identity grounded. Um, you know, I've been told I part of my history, part of my identity is this history, this narrative that I've been told about my family. Part our, I mean, the identity of our parishes is grounded in this history that we tell ourselves. And, and the actual truth, right, is upsetting all of that because, and, and maybe amen for that, right? I mean, maybe, maybe rejoice in this, right? It is upsetting all of these narratives that have been part of our identity that are false. And, and our identity is not grounded in Christ, or we would be able to repent and return to the Lord. We would be able to to, to embrace um, uh, the possibility of a different future where I don't have all of the power and privilege I have of this world. I would be able to live differently, but that scares. But see, to me, in terms of leadership, right, white leadership, right, because Black leadership can't tell white folks that. Black leadership tell white folks that you're too polarizing, you're racist, you're you know, whatever, all kind of, you're angry, you're, you know, all the, you know, all the various stereotypes. So then it becomes incumbent upon white leadership to say, you know, to frame it like that. Bottom line, an aversion to reading history, learning history, understanding history, hearing history, receiving history is an aversion to repentance. Because at the end of the day, as vile as history may be, if you don't like it, all you have to do is repent. For start, for a start. Well, no, no, no. All you have to do is repent. Repentance is continual. Conversion is continual. There's always something more to repent of, always something more to be, always a deeper level of conversion. But no, all you have to do is repent. Isn't that, That's the start and the finish. Well, and, and so I want to I wanna enhance maybe a little bit this idea of repentance, uh, again, because of because of white theology, right? Like repent, and I even carry this in, in, in the back of my mind, right? Repent is sort of, oh, we can say I'm sorry and then move on. Um, like, yeah. I want more, I want deeper, I want action, right? I mean, understanding repentance, and this is where we've talked about, you know, reconciliation at least as a, as a spiritual practice and repentance as, the, as part of that process, ongoing life of, of reconciliation, um, right. repentance as a continual action that that turns away from and turns towards something else, right? And that's where I don't know. That's where the hope for redemption is. I guess I see in in understanding repentance as um, as that continuous opening up, reopening up, that continuous move towards and away from. That's a little more hopeful for me. I mean, but that, and that's why it doesn't make sense that people can't just repent. You know what I mean? Like, we say all of these things about grace. 
we say all of these things about the mercy of the Lord, that his mercy endures forever. We talk about his forgiveness. But then when it comes to it, we don't even want to be confronted with the realities that might cause us to repent. Oh, the cost. The cost, brother. And the end of the day is if we don't, if we're afraid to repent, if we can't repent, then what we're saying is we don't believe in the grace. We don't really trust God. No, we don't. I mean, that, that kind of trust, it's living, living comfortably and, and in the safety of, of this world, air quotes there, right? I mean, yeah, that, that goes against so, so much of what I've been taught, so much of what we've been taught, right? I mean, when, when you have an entire, we've had an entire nation that has been shaped to support, care for, take care of, secure our, our benefits, our lives as a whole. And I know there are people who have struggled and there and are all sorts of, of problems with that narrative. For, for many of us, even most of us, that's, we've had this whole country that has been shaped and formed over hundreds and hundreds of years to take care of us. Um, that's a lot of work to undo and a lot to give up. At least it looks like a lot, right? I mean, on the on on this planet, I mean, this Earth, it's a lot to give up. It's a lot to give up. But the kingdom is so much more to gain if we say we want a kingdom, right? Oh yeah. And that, to me, again, the rich young ruler, you know, the Lord told him, you know, he said, "Well, I'm I'm this, I'm that, you know, I've done all this. I kept the commandments from the from my youth. We'll give up all of this." Yeah. And he walked away dejected because he couldn't do that, you know? And it's like, that's the problem with Babylon, you know? Babylon look and, and, at all its riches and it say, we've come too far now, can't go back. You know, the church looks around and says, man, we, you know, we've been declining. We, you know, we finally got a little heyday, you know, presiding bishop gained some, some limelight, people coming. You know, they had him here in Central Florida, to say yes to Jesus, you know, so we're going to get some people through the door, man. Let's not, we don't upset the boat by actually doing some real stuff, man. We just want to, you know, like Mark said, opioid of the masses. We just want to, you know, get a needle in people's arm and get them a hit of this Jesus so they could, you know, keep coming back and throw that money in the offering plate. So much more. So much more. <sighs> but that, you know, that, that whole issue on history is, is the critical piece, right? Like history is what makes you repent. Hmm. You don't repent for future. History is what makes you repent. Repentance and forgiveness is what causes you to reconcile, is what makes you beloved community, is what propels you down the way of love into the kingdom of God. So if we don't want to look at history, how, did, how are we going to talk about the Jesus movement? Yeah. Where are we moving going? Where, where are we moving to with this boat anchor? <laughs> with this albatross around our neck, you know? Like, don't you think we get down the road a lot quicker if we repent of this garbage? Mm-hmm. So that's the question, like, why, why is Western Christianity, why are white Christians so afraid of, repent, of, of repentance? 
Oh, I'm not afraid of repentance. Okay, well then let's look at this history. Let's start talking about the history of lynchings, the history of, you know, what our church did, our very church did. Yeah. Uh, let's start, you know, of what our very diocese did. Let's, you know, let's start, you know? Um, otherwise. I think that, that, that kind of, I mean, that excites me in, in a way, right? I mean, that, that, that kind of encouragement, I mean, if you think about that, the energy that's going into hand wringing that, that could go out and be, and flow into the world in love, right? If we, if we looked at that and, and use that to, to, to step out and to motivate and to engage, to, to change, to grow and transform, um, I don't know. I, I got. I'm getting. A, I'm getting a glimpse of the kingdom. I, I think with with that 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 freedom that might come, the freedom that's promised in repentance. Amen. Amen. You know, there's a, um one of my favorite books, man. Um, Archimandrite Seraphim Alexei, uh, Ukrainian. Um, Orthodox uh, theologian, I can't remember what year, um, but the Forgotten Mes- Me- Medicine—that's the name of the, the book. The Forgotten Medicine: The Mystery of Repentance. Mm. Um, that repentance is medicine for our souls. Um, why do we not want to take the Lord's medicine? Like, you know, as children, we don't want to take medicine. You know, we get sick. And your parents come in the room and they want to give you medicine. And most children are like, no, no, of course, you know, my son crazy, I guess, you know, he loved castor oil. My grand, my mother gave him castor oil one time. And he was like, mm, this tastes good. It's like, <laughs> but most people don't like castor oil. You don't want the medicine. Right. But this is, this ain't human medicine. This is the Lord medicine. Right. Like the savior of the world our healer, our redeemer, prescribed this medicine. He said, take this and call me in that great morning. Mm-hmm. And we like, nah, Father, me ain't want that. I don't, I don't want that medicine. That, that it, tastes, it tastes too bitter. Mm-hmm. It's, it's too bitter and it's going to make me, it, it, the side effect is, you know, I might, you know, we, we in, in a culture where we'll take all kind of side effects because you know, we over a certain age and we want to be able to make love to our wife still. And we're willing to take all kind of side effects for it. And every other medicine, the side effects to be long, 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 long. But the Lord say, here's your medicine, repentance. The side effects is, whatever the side effects may be for each of us, mm-hmm. we don't want with the Lord offering enough to take the side effects. Pharmaceutical industry and our culture, through the roof, they they could charge you $500,000 for a pill, literally, because your insurance going to pay it and you're going to pay it because you want this pill. But the cost of repentance is too great. Yeah, that's, that's, I think that's that old, that's an old model of repentance from this world. I mean, shame and guilt and grief and, and trouble, that's not freedom and, and, and well, yeah, that's health and wellness and joy, you know? great. Jonathan Edwards, sinners in the hands of an angry guy. You know, that's that's you know that's that's Western theology. 
you know, the understanding of grace, the, the, the first thing that my, my first spiritual father, Abba Thomas, made me do when I came to the Ethiopian church um, years ago was a study on grace. Mm-hmm. Just that understanding of grace. Like, we in the West, we say we know we won't lose grace. You can't lose grace. But we sure act like and we sure practice our faith like we're going to lose grace if we face the truth. If we read some history, we're going to lose our salvation. So so don't don't mess with me with that history. Don't don't make me repent. Uh-huh. Well, and that's, again, I mean, it, it seems like to, to bring it all the way back, maybe, or to try, right? Like, what do we do with that history? I, I don't know. I mean, that, that doesn't feel like the right frame. That doesn't feel like the right question. What do you mean? Why do you say that? Well, it, it, the history is there. We're right. not, I mean, we've been trying to do things with the history, right? Like, we've tried to erase it. We've tried to ignore it. We've tried to minimize it. Like, we've tried to do things with history instead of um, being present with God in, in both this moment and, and in that history and, and engaging and, and repenting, right, of ourselves, right, and repenting for us and dealing with us and with who we are and what's going on in light of that history. As opposed to like, well, I'm going to take this history and I'm going to, I'm going to do something. I'm going to use it. I'm going to bend it. I'm going to twist it. I'm going to uh, like, no, it, it, that's what it is. And that, right. and that God here offering grace and, and love in truth, um, in parable, in, in understanding and relationship in all of these ways that we can, that we can be with the history that is, that is still present um, and, and go forth in freedom to to bring the kingdom to to change the world uh, i don't know i i can't even explain it. it's just it's it's freedom and hope even in among and amidst and and within all of who we are and that's and that's all of where we've come from amen. all of our history amen